You're listening to The 21st Folio, a podcast about modern Shakespeare productions of stage and screen. The podcast is a subsidiary of The Seventh Row, an online publication dedicated to interdisciplinary film and theater criticism. You can find us on Twitter at Seventh Row with the number seven spelled out or online at seventh-row.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-H-row.com. Let's. So one of the things that I think is a real a, a challenge in all productions of Richard III that gets glossed over is the need for humpback surgery. No, that is very rarely glossed over, or at least the fact that he has that he is a a, 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 hum, a hunchback. But I mean, very rarely does he get to just jump up and down and ring a bell like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. But Olivier covers that. Um, <laughs> But the like, true thespians get elective hunchback surgery. It's if you're really dedicated to the role, but I, that the fact that not he he is he has this disability, but he's also a great soldier. Like in the Henry the Sixth, he kills everybody. everybody. He, he is like Rambo. He is yeah. so good at killing people in open combat. But all you think of is him as like you know a big comical cripple. If and he like were alive he, today, he'd be at the Me Before You protests. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, it's <God. laughs> it's oh, this um, extremely ableist, from what I've heard, film about this guy who is like a playboy and then he gets in an accident and ends up in a wheelchair and decides he wants to kill himself. And it's pissed off a huge chunk of the disability community because it is extremely ableist and is like if you're if you have a disability you should die which like even shakespeare was like no you can be richard the third so that guy Um, should do a production of richard the third and be like this gives me a reason to live i'm gonna kill all these ableists there you go um in fairness i think it says more about people who are ableist than people who are disabled right because there are some people who just cannot imagine disability as anything other than life ending yeah. Oh. Wow, you people are not that smart. I really don't want to dump on this movie, which I haven't seen because I really like Thea Sharik. <sighs> and I'm so sad that this is like her big movie. Everybody makes mistakes. <sighs> oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> what? Anyways. <laughs> um the the idea that he both has this disability but also is an amazing soldier is something that i think in a lot of stage productions i've seen glossed over where he's like limping around the stage and he's like can't even walk right and he's hobbling around and it's like well that's weird because 10 seconds ago he killed prince edward in henry the sixth part three like in open combat and he in in the battle at the end of this play he enacts more wonders than a man and kills five of six richmonds like this is a guy who can go Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it was nice that both of these Richards, both Olivier's and McKellen's Richard, they definitely have some sort of deformity, mm-hmm. but you can see how they would still be dangerous, 
you know, even in in battle, they are still fluid enough. They are still able enough. And it makes sense for the character that he plays up his disability. You know, in the scene where he he gets, is it Hastings that he that, if tell yeah. me thou of ifs? Yeah, and he holds up the claw. Oh, I thought it was. Oh great my for god, the, that claw was hilarious. It's well in the McKellen. It's even worse because like he holds. It's like, do you see this? And it's like <laughs> you're just holding your hand a certain way. Like it looks. It no, looks he fine. was holding like a stick. Is that <laughs> what he was looked, doing? It I, looked I, like I, he was holding a prosthetic to me. Anyway, I think it I may actually. And then he like hits the chair, and it's like it's like it's, it's made like of plastic. Stuff. In any case, it's like. Your hand's fine. I saw you pick up a glass like five seconds ago. Like this is, this is a fraud, but okay. I guess that's the end of the line for me, but, um, he's, you know, Richard is playing this. Everybody thinks Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, fine. You guys can all think that I'm deformed. Oh yeah. You know, it's, I'm, Oh, woe is me. But then like, I will actually kill you in a duel. Um, and I, I was glad that both of these movies handled handled that in a way that he was still able to do everything that he needed to do in war in open battle i guess i i think that it's interesting the way that they they showed the disability seems very of its time that in the 1950s that not only is olivier's kind of exaggerated like his limp is really big mm-hmm. um, and by the way richard doesn't have a limp right that's put in the play that's well, not even I, a historical, you know, a, a historical fallacy. There's nothing about him having a limb. No. A hunchback it, and, a, and a deformed arm, but that's it. Right. And well, I read in the IMDb notes that they filmed the battle scene. This is apparent. I mean, as if you can read anything on the internet and it's true, well, then this is one of those things that uh, they filmed the last battle scene first and you know, in the in the litany of horses who get murdered to justify the my horse, my horse line, they had an art. There's one where an archer shoots a horse and they brought in like a British, like Olympic archer to shoot it. And he missed and he hit Olivier <laughs> with like a prop arrow oh in the leg. And so then. Olivier's limp for the rest of the filming was because he got shot with a goddamn arrow on like the second day of filming. So, so I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's an old wives' tale, but it's on IMDb. So I'm taking my word for it that he got shot with an arrow. And that's yeah. So yeah, that's where the limp was just Olivier getting shot with a goddamn arrow in the line of duty. But I mean his manifestation of Richard's disability is very on display and very sort of grotesque mm-hmm. and Ian McKellen's is much more toned down like I think that there's a more obvious connection in the <clears throat> in the Olivier between the disability and and the fact that he's actually evil like that it, that the, the the film itself thinks yeah he's disabled and so he's evil yeah, that's what happens when you're born with, like, mm-hmm. physical problems. You just go evil. You go dark uh, side immediately. And I'm going to recover from calling him disabled by saying that's the language they would have used in the 1950s. Contextually, absolutely. But he whereas, also... Whereas in the... Uh, in in McKellen's, he's much more... He's, you know, a more modern take on it. He is, as we would now say, a person with disability. Mm-hmm. That he... 
has, you know, he, his bad arm is something that he sort of, you know, it's a bother, but it's not something that's really, other people remark on it, but it's not something that he really, pardon? Oh, I disagree about that. And I have specific physical examples. Um, Okay. But I, I think that one of the interesting things is that we actually get to see some of the care that goes into dealing with it. Like we get to see him getting that shoulder massage mm. um, and that it treats it less as a, this grotesque crazy thing and more as a, yeah, this is a thing he has and a thing he has to deal with. Um, and when he starts talking about, you know, in his opening monologue, telling us about his disability, he, there seems to be a bit of a, irony to it like I'm repeating what other people have said more than what I think of myself there's no self-loathing there no definitely not yeah or even and there isn't even a well because I've got this problem (laughs) therefore I am evil Mm -hmm. right with the Olivier well that's one of the weirder moments in the Olivier where the scene with the two young princes where he seems to get along really well with the younger smart-ass prince Mm-hmm. And like these spinning them around and everyone's like, they're putting on their little vaudeville show with the two of them. And then this little 10 year old is like, because I am little like a monkey, you should bear me on your shoulder. And then it's like, bah! and it's like that 1950s fanfare. And Richard turns around and is like, now I'm going to murder you. I was going to let you, I was going to let you two kids rule the country, but because you made that crack about my shoulder, everyone mm-hmm. dies. It's like a really, unnecessarily heightened like horror movie moment that I was just like, what is happening? What is this? This is unnecessary. I don't get it. Um, But yeah, so that Olivier takes it very personally when, for example, a 12 year old talks about his disability. I would like that sound effect for me. Anytime somebody slights me, I would like that sound effect to play and I can just stare at them ominously and they can like fall backwards. That would be great for me. If anyone could work on that. (laughs) I mean, I think McKellen's also takes it seriously when people slide him. He's not happy when when nobody is interested in his claw hand. That's true. I just think that it's a slightly kinder view of disability. And oh, I think that the the Olivier one is much more of its time. I mean, not that the, I mean, the 90s were bad enough, but I mean, the 50s, the 50s. it's much more like... Yeah, okay, that's the 50s. You couldn't make a movie like that today, and you couldn't do that in the 90s. That would mm-hmm. be a, that would be gauche. Yeah. Certainly, the 90s, Richard, is much... It focuses much more on the reality of living with disability, I would say. Like I would agree, yeah. Um, and the thing that you notice most, and the thing that is... Well, the thing that I noticed most that is both real and almost grotesque is the way Richard constantly has to use his mouth to do things. Mm. Oh, yeah, especially when he takes his the mouth ring off his finger. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That was- like, that's the most obvious one. He, used to, he has to use his mouth to pick stuff up. And it's just automatic for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does seem, like, it seems almost animalistic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I would say that while it's focused on more on the reality of disability, it's, it's not necessarily kinder. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think, I think both of them are also dated too. I mean, I think you, if you were doing it now, you would do it differently. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Benedict Cumberbatch does later this oh, summer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Are you guys dreading it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you guys not like him? I love him. I love uh, hating him, even though I don't actually oh. hate him. Oh, no. I like him, but I'm not... I'm not totally convinced in his ability to be Richard. And part of this is because I just like, I love this character so much. Right. Oh, I'm I think you. he yeah. can be great. I think he needs a great director and he hasn't had one. And without a great director, he's just like, let me add another tick. Have I got enough physical ticks? Let me add some verbal ticks. Have I got enough verbal ticks? And that All is right. like every character. And it's like, I have so many ticks. I forgot to get rid of the old ones from the last performance. I'm it's just like, accumulating them. I'm collecting them all. Exactly. Dead horse that Alex likes to flog. That's true. I never shut up about this. I I love beating dead horses. I'm all on board, and I can't wait to see it. So you love Olivier production, is what you're saying. Yes! (laughs) I just love the the hairstyle. I'm I'm trying to grow that out right now. Oh, oh God. That's definitely the way to propose with like the Olivier wig and then the Ian McKellen ring on your finger that you have to right. suck I off. Take it out with my mouth. Right. Definitely. Seduction Ugh. by Richard. <laughs> Kill the ex-boyfriend. And there you go. Also hmm. about the ring. Um, it's not an engagement ring. It's a signet ring. That, that Ian McKellen's Richard gives her. Like, he takes it off his pinky, which is where men traditionally wear signet rings with their crest on it. Right. Damn. With the boar on it. Yeah. He's not marrying her. He's claiming ownership of her. The way the McKellen Richard sets him up in that first scene where the tank goes through the wall mm-hmm. is they set him up as a commander, right? They don't set him up as a foot soldier who does foot soldiery work, mm. which I think is plausible both in the context of his disability because yeah. he would have considerable difficulty. He only has the use of one arm. Yeah. And two, it really sets up his character very well. Because this is a guy who's the brains behind the whole operation. Mm-hmm. He's, not the op- he's not the guy who gets his hands dirty. Whereas Olivier goes out onto the battlefield in full armor, right? Right. Yeah. He's an active Richard. Right. And I mean, you see it, and, and he, he punctuates that, Olivier's Richard punctuates that with the best aside to a horse I've ever seen on film or stage, where he spins around in the middle of his monologue and leans over to the horse and says, Richard is Richard again, which is not in the text. But I guess when you have a chance to have a conversation with a horse, you have to take it. Uh, but you do see when he's like drawing up the battle plan and they needlessly animate that. And I was like, is this what we're spending the budget on? This, like, he's drawing the battle plan in the, in the ground? Well, they certainly didn't spend it on the set. Or on the ghosts. On the ghosts that kind of, again, Haunted Mansion float in, like, with the mouths that aren't matched up to the words at all and are unrecognizable. Um, it's like, I'm waiting for grim grinning ghosts to be playing under that scene. Uh, but, yeah, um... Yeah, both of them are, I mean, they're ready to, in their own, in their own eras, I guess, they're ready to go out there and fight. Though, McKellen's Richard is not as, he runs away a lot more. But I guess that makes sense, you know? 
when he shoots poor Tyrrell in the head and then scrambles up a staircase. Yeah, like that is that is simply a wrong, like it's it's incorrect, you know? That's not a directorial choice, that's wrong, <laughs> given the play. Um, then like, he runs away. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Like it's, it's it's simply incorrect. Um, but <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? I just think it's funny that in like a lot of the films we're like, well, this part is wrong. Well, sometimes I'm not it saying is. sometimes it is wrong. Well, that I mean, also the fact that he shoots Tyrrell in the head. It's like okay. I that mean, did- that was that was merely unnecessary. It wasn't actively working <laughs> against the text. Well, like when Richard says, "My horse, my horse, a kingdom for a horse," he means I would like I would like to go back and fight more. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he's not saying like I would like to escape, and this tank is stuck in the mud. Uh, also, there are no horses. By horse, I mean jeep or motorcycle. You're interrogating text from the wrong perspective. <laughs> <laughs> they needed Baz on set to put a plate on the jeep that said horse. Could you imagine Baz <laughs> Luhrmann's Richard III? Could you imagine what that would be like? I would pay good money to see that film. I would actually really like to see that too. Who do you think he would get to play Richard? Someone completely inappropriate. No, not necessarily. Be Adam Driver in these days. Oh my God. Look, like he would miscast the entire cast and then somehow make it work. <laughs> you know that's how it would I happen. Juliet wasn't totally miscast, though. Um, only Mercutio was truly well cast. Mm. Um, excuse me, Friar Lawrence. Really oh, good. oh, oh, heaven for fend, I forget Friar Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he casts like the heartthrobs of the day as, as the lovers, so. Claire yes. Danes was, you know. Just because they can't speak the speech, I mean, he wasn't interested in that anyway. Sold a lot of tickets. I mean, this is actually exactly my point. <laughs> um, particularly in the McKellen version. The McKellen version plays this up a lot, but it's like one of the big questions of this play that doesn't get spoken, but that is a directorial choice is how did Richard become this person? Right? Mm-hmm. Like what made him this guy? It can't straightforwardly be the fact that he was born disabled. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the Olivier version, it's not merely like I've got a hunchback and therefore I'm the worst. Um, Richard emphasizes throughout that people have cast him in this role. Like, I am determined, but I then am not shaped for sportive tricks nor made to court an amorous looking glass. I am determined to prove a villain and hate the idle pleasures of these days. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't do what everybody else can do. So I guess I'm going to be a villain. And in McKellen's version, like, the really interesting thing for me is the only person whose approval he ever seeks is his mother. Interesting. And she utterly refuses to give it to him. She says at every stage, like, there's actually this line where she's like, you are my shame. You know, it's, it is yeah. it is my shame that I bore you. And that's the only God, time. is looking pretty good right now. Right? Kid. <laughs> and we don't, we see Clarence's touching faith in Richard for mystery reasons. We don't see Edward having much of an attitude toward Richard at all, which is actually quite healthy and nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 
we see the one person that Richard genuinely cares about is his mother. And she's the one who is consistently the most vicious to him. Mm -hmm. And so you get this sense that the one person who he may be reacting against most is the person who first cast him as disgusting. Right. His mom. Dame Peg. There were all these stories about his birth that must have come from her, right? About how, like, he could not crust at two hours old and he was born feet first. And, like, the fact that she, I don't know, it's interesting that, yeah, that he is suing for her attention and she's the one who won't give it. Ah, That's interesting. Yeah. Like, you see, in that moment when she walks up the staircase and Edward has just died... Richard follows her and sort of follows her from him. And at that moment, when Maggie Smith says, you know, listen to this for I will never speak to you again. Mm-hmm. The thing he says before that is, ah, mother, you know, like, mm-hmm. hi, how are you? Let's talk. And she's like, you are disgusting. Mm-hmm. I also think it's great that Maggie Smith is five, is like less than five years older than Ian McKellen. And it's like, you're my mom. <laughs> Because we go way back, so it's fine. Put some age makeup on, we're fine. In fairness, Maggie Smith has looked exactly the same. <laughs> it's true. Like she got <laughs> old in 1980 and then just stayed there. Yeah, just, yeah, those being Shakespeare BBC movies, she looks exactly the same as she does now. Yeah, yes. she is exactly five years older than him. <laughs> <laughs> well,. that's amazing (laughs) honestly the Olivier version kind of downplays the family connection right Mm -hmm. part of it is because the supporting characters are basically non-entities but Richard doesn't seem to have any kind of relationship with his family and the things that they say to him are merely glancing blows right right he just shrugs them right off yeah Margaret (laughs) oh (laughs) Margaret Beaufort (laughs) <laughs> it's great. It's well, so great. <laughs> they give a lot of those Margaret lines to Maggie Smith in the McKellen, and it doesn't make sense. Like they're just like these are good lines, so you get them now. But I don't know some of the stuff she says. I don't know that it makes it kind of works, I guess, but it's kind of forced. I can't think of any specific examples. Okay. Um... So, because you both love Richard III so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we were sort of, we kind of talked about this, and you were talking about Richard, well, you were talking about Kane Lear yesterday in an episode that you were not part of. <laughs> and we were discussing what is, like, the gateway play for Shakespeare. And I wonder whether what you think of Richard III as, like, a gateway play to Shakespeare and these films as gateway films to Shakespeare and like one of the things that I found really bizarre and I'm I'm guessing this is just because film Twitter people just watch whatever the hell the Criterion Collection tells them to blindly is that a lot of people about film Twitter pardon not another rant about film Twitter (laughs) well I'm just I'm surprised that a lot of people seem to be watching Richard III the Olivier one like this year I've seen a lot of people tweeting about it and then a lot of people being like oh who knew it was funny this is so surprising. And I'm um, like, yeah, yeah, it is funny. It is, in fact, funny. But why are you watching the Olivier one? Like, why? Why is that the one that you're watching instead of the Ian McKellen one? Or soon, I guess, the Benedict Cumberbatch one. And 
So I'm sort of wondering what your experience is with this. Because if I were trying to get somebody to like Shakespeare, I wouldn't have them watch this Olivier film that I wanted to sleep through. The... <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. And even like talking to people I know who really like Richard III, I was like, Olivia makes some really, there are some really interesting moments. There are some really interesting yeah. beats that yeah. I was like, oh, like on my couch, like, oh my God, yes. Yes. But it's like the 10 minutes of me being like, oh yeah, does not offset the two and a half hours of me being like, oh, come on. Move also, it or lose it. Yeah, there's no way not to get distracted by that wig. <laughs> or it's those just, red oh. tights. Ugh. I just spent a lot of it thinking about how Blair Waldorf wore red tights better. <laughs> Who wore it better? Lawrence Olivier or Blair Waldorf? Um, I would I would say, yeah, the Bekelin is definitely the one uh, of these two. But I don't know that Richard III would be a gateway Shakespeare. Why not? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what, like, you know, I mean, that when you're looking at, when you're looking at gateway, like getting people onboarded onto Shakespeare, like everyone, everyone does, you know, the main, the core plays in high school where, you know, where it's Romeo and Juliet and Mackers and Hamlet and like Julius Caesar. So that's their experience. And I don't think any of those, I'm trying to think of what movie I would show someone to get them on board. The thing about Richard is it depends, liking this is so dependent on getting what the character is doing. And that like, you know, it's if, if you've been taught Shakespeare at a basic level, and it's still up on the pedestal for you. Mm-hmm. And you see Richard just being awful. You're like, oh, I must not get this. Because Shakespeare wouldn't write a character who's this, you know, disingenuous and lying and scheming. Like, that's not what, like, there's not, that's not right. And so I feel like there's a, there may be a check to really being like, oh, no, this guy's a scumbag. Oh, this guy's just a schemer. And I don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe it could work, but I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. I need to think about that. For me, there are two gateway plays, and it depends a little bit on the personality of the the person you're trying to suborn. Um, (laughs) Well, this is interesting. What do you think are the gateway plays? Number one is Much Ado. Oh, okay. That's what I would have said. Fine. Yeah, because that was my gateway. I was not charmed by Much Ado About Nothing. Even me, and I hate the comedies. Wow. Um, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm wrong. I don't... Look, I just can't... You are wrong. Four Except much... What? You like Much Ado, but you hate all the other comedies? Yes, essentially. I grudgingly like Much Ado. Okay. I know you hate Midsummer Night's Dream. I have seen so many productions of A Midsummer Night's Dream. I have suffered through so many good productions of A Midsummer Night's Dream and come out and being like through a lot of bad ones. Yeah, I've suffered through a couple of those too. <sighs> but it's like it's just so terrible when you go when you leave a play and you're like that was a really good production. It was awful. I wish I'd never been. Wow. You know? Sure. Yeah, I guess I feel I mean I've seen as you like it 900 times and like 
800 of them have not been good, but also one of the best productions I ever worked on was an As You Like It that I still hold near and dear. So I'm not ready to be dissuaded by the 900 that I hated. I don't know. I also feel like, I mean, maybe this is more of a person, but like when I see a production of anything that I hate, I'm like, well, I learned something from that. It's that I hate these people and they're awful productions that I won't see that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I realize this is a tangent, but I hate Dream because the primary plot is completely uninteresting and the only interesting part of the plot is the fairies. Okay. You don't buy the mechanicals? No. No one cares about them. They're annoying. Okay. It depends on how they're played. <laughs> All right. I would, there's, that is an argument for another day, but I think there's something in the mechanicals that you may just not have, may not have been presented in any of the productions you've seen. But I'm also not so passionate about it that I'm gonna, I'm not gonna talk, I'm not gonna sell you on this right now. I can tell by you staring Richard the Third style daggers into your camera right now that that sale is not going to happen right now. So I'll I'll put a pin in that for later. So, um, of the two plays, Much Ado is one because there's no one who's not charmed by Much Ado, um, and honestly, the other one is Richard. Hmm. Um, hmm. And part of the reason for that is Richard is about developing a personal relationship with the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Richard talks to you. Richard wants you to like him. And so it's very easy to sort of be drawn into this character in a way that like even other characters who break the fourth wall may not be accessible. Mm-hmm. Because um, especially because Richard is an antagonist. If you have like a school group and they're all talking, he can be like, Hey, shut up. Yeah. I have to, I have something <laughs> to tell you right now. You idiots come over here. You know, in a way that like Rosalind or Mackers or, you know, none of them can be like, shut up, morons. Whereas Richard could go out to a group of high school kids and be like, shut up, you're ruining this for me. And it would still work. Like, everybody loves a bad guy. It's true. Some people like a good guy. Everybody Mm. loves a bad guy. It's true. So more more the production well, as a whole, though you're talking not not either of these films, but like if you were taking someone to see a production. Well, to- even in the context of Richard the um, Third, because the McKellen version is one of my favorite films, I made my partner and my baby nineteen year old cousin, who's an engineer, sit through this film, and both of them initially were like, "We are doing this because we love you," and by the end of it, both of them were like, "That was a good movie." I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So anecdotal evidence is, is not terribly good, but in my case, it worked out. And I think the McKellen stands on its own is actually a good movie. Like you're not sitting yeah. there watching it being like, oh, this is so Shakespeare. Like even the, the As You Like It, the HBO As You Like It oh, God. in Japan. Right. It's like, oh, God. I mean, it was, oh. I, it's oh. Okay, well, you have a stronger feel. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was good. I thought it was fine. But like, there's no Generous. moment that you're, there's no moment that you're watching that that you're you forget that it's Shakespeare. It is so. You are you are eating your cultural vegetables when you are watching that film. It is and with this one, like I am recycling all of my ideas from Much Ado About Nothing. I have no new ones. Right. Or any, or I mean, like that Love's Labor's Lost that Branagh did, that he did the most Branagh thing I've ever heard of, where he cut it to <laughs> 90 minutes, but kept all of his lines. Didn't cut, <laughs> didn't cut 
one of Theron's lines, but he still cut it down to 90 minutes, including like 10 musical numbers. That's amazing. That is the most Brenna. That is the most Gilderoy Lockhart of all the things for him to do. Um, yeah, he didn't have to reach very far for that role. No, nope. That was right there on a tee. Oh, boy. Oh, bless, you know, bless its heart. In all those, in all those and you're not that you forget that you are watching Shakespeare. And in this McKellen, it does feel like a different type of movie. Mm-hmm. At cert- I mean, obviously, there are certain points that it brings you back, but you know, you don't need to be like, we're going to watch Shakespeare now. Sit down, get out your notepads, and yeah, like, buckle up. Up, enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't think you can say for the Olivier. The only film that I would say makes Shakespeare similarly accessible is Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. For, yeah. for better or for worse, I agree. It's a gateway. It's probably, I mean, that is, pro- I didn't want to say it because I know we've all already rolled our eyes and groaned at it already, but that really is the gateway. I love that version. Okay, that's- good. That is the gateway. I mean, I also I- wonder how much of that is being of the time. Like I was in middle school, high school when that came out. I don't know. I was very easily influenced by it. And I wonder if you showed that to middle school, high school kids now, if they have the same effect. I guess Leonardo DiCaprio is still hot. I don't know that anyone knows who Claire Danes is anymore, which uh, makes me feel no, no, ancient. No, 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 I mean, knows. We, people know who Leonardo DiCaprio is now, but they know him as second head Leonardo DiCaprio. He does have second head. It's so awful. They don't know that he was once a heartthrob. I don't know, but I also know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people still watch Titanic, and that may be the gateway. The gateway. Not just Titanic. Teenage girls. I've heard secondhand. It's been a long time since I was a teenage girl, but I've heard that teenage girls still watch Titanic. I thought that was like of our time, Alex, and had had fortunately passed into the mist of time. I thought so, too. I think it's still out there. Well, if you're out there and you're listening and you are a teenager of any gender, tweet us at... Plus, if you've watched Titanic. 21st Folio. Is that right? 21 That's right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just dropping plugs on your podcast. I didn't want to... <laughs> Excellent. Yes, I mean... <laughs> so, in favor of Romeo and Juliet, and also in favor of the Ian McKellen, like... What I like about both of these films, even though McKellen obviously does it like way better than Boz Lerman does, is whatever they don't get, they get the feelings right. You know, mm-hmm. they get the feeling of the play right. They get you the atmosphere. They give you a sense of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and even if you can't follow the text, what makes the tech what makes people care about the text is the feelings it elicits. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you want to make someone feel it. And in a very I mean, cinematic way. Like they're not, there's no worry about adaptation in that. It's like, this is a right. movie. You yeah. Know? I, I think it's funny that neither of you, the reason why, that you might argue against Richard III for neither of you, which would be my biggest reason is because people don't know who the hell any of these characters are. And the, the McKellen film fixes that I think for the most part and gives you background but there is a lot of assuming in this play that if if it isn't dealt with 
as it has been in, especially in the McKellen one, would be really confusing. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like Henry V, which I remember when I saw for the first time with you, M.A., I had to like, to pause that we were watching the Kenneth Branagh film and I need to pause it every two minutes so she could explain to me what was going on because I had no clue <sighs> who like what the history was that, you know, that how was whoring with Falstaff, who the hell was Falstaff, why were we suddenly with Falstaff? I had no clue what was going on. And I feel like that would be a problem with Richard III. And the last thing you want to do is convince somebody that you have to know English history in order to get Shakespeare. I think the nice thing that Richard III has, though, that separates it from the other histories is that it starts, you know, it's like the, it's like, not three-card Monty, it's like follow the ball under the cup where he comes out and he's like, hey, my name's Rich, I want to be the king, there are a bunch of people in the way, all you need to do is follow me, and I'm just going to kill everyone, Uh, (laughs) I hope you have a good time, please make sure your seatbelts are locked and your seats are in the upright position, here we go. Clarence is first. Clarence, why don't you come on down? And then, like, he's your MC for this evening of chicanery yeah. and murder. So it's like, you're. I think you're very right that, like, if you're, if someone's, if you know nothing, you're like, I don't know England. He was the king in 1483. Who cares? I don't care. I don't want to know about this. It's like, no, 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 no. This is about a schemer. This is a play about someone who plays the system. Just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter who Buckingham, who Rivers, Dorset, Queen Elizabeth, and like just follow Richard and follow what he's doing, mm-hmm. and you're gonna have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Or be very confused, but I think you'll have a good time. <laughs> Look, even if even in the Olivier production where you're like, I don't know who these people are. Does Richard know who these people are? Do they matter? Like, he's still taking you on a journey. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and whatever guy. you may think. Yeah, I'm definitely I pro don't... introducing people to the history plays sooner rather than later because I was lied to for years by my mother, <laughs> 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 who didn't know what she was talking about. She hadn't even like read them, and told me that they were boring and just about history. And I, I was like misled for years. <sighs> I just don't <laughs> think that other people favorite. should be too. Okay. Well, that's the end of our series of episodes on Richard III. I'm Alex Heaney, the host of the 21st Folio and editor-in-chief of The Seventh Row. You can find me on Twitter at bwestcineast. That's B-W-E-S-T-C-I-N-E-A-S-T-E. My guests today are Mary Angela Rowe. Hi, I'm the editor-at-large uh, editor at The Seventh Row. You can find me on Twitter at lapsedvictorian. And Kevin Gondardo. Hi, I've been Kevin Condardo. I am the co-host of the Shakespeare podcast, No Holds Barred. You can find me on Twitter at Fear Strikes Out and No Holds Barred at No Holds Barred Cast. Thank you. Do you guys want to do the slash on no, Facebook.com slash No Holds Barred? You can do Dan's part. <laughs> Nobody cares. Okay, fine. This has been delightful. FYI, everyone. It's been great. Thank you. Yes, yeah. thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight to, to talk to both of you in person instead of just on Twitter. It's been nice to uh, talk about this. Thank you for having me to talk about my favorite character in the canon. This is great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. That's the end of this episode of the 21st Folio. 
check back next week for a new episode discussing new Shakespeare productions. To keep up with the latest episodes, don't forget to subscribe to the 21st Folio podcast on iTunes. For show notes and more information about the podcast, please visit 7th-row.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-H-row.com. 